0: Hey, everybody. Jesse here from Flyers Alley and OC Sports Network. want to rep our new sponsor, Sterling Pig Brewery out of Media, Pennsylvania. Right now, I am drinking the Snuffler IPA, literally their flagship easy drinking IPA with hoppy notes and citrus and tropical fruit. Let me tell you something. This thing goes down smooth. It's great for a pound session, and it's great for a good Flyers game. Guys, go to www.sterlingpig.com. Go into the store, pick up some of their merch, pick up some of their beers. Have a great night. Hey, everybody. Jesse here from Flyers Alley and Old City Sports Network. I want to tell you guys about one of our newest sponsors, Neshamity Creek Brewing. Go to www.neshamitycreekbrewing.com. Check out all their cool beers. They have some of the best-looking cans in the area. Everything is Philadelphia-based, looks like Philly, gives you the Philly vibe. They have some great IPAs, Pilsners, Stouts, the works. Guys, go to www.NeshamityCreekBrewing.com. Go check out this great sponsor that we love at Old City Sports Network, and they love us too. Thanks, guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Flyers Alley. I'm your host, Jesse Bell. Along with me, as always, my co-host, Anthony Verasso. What's going on, brother?
1: What's up, buddy? How's it going?
0: It's going really, really, really well. Obviously, we have a special guest in the house tonight. We have two-time Stanley Cup champion, 2002 Hall of Fame inductee, Jim Watson. Jim, how you doing, man? How's it going? I'm
2: doing good, Jesse. Doing good, buddy, and Anthony. Looking forward to our time together here this evening. Yeah, same here.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. It's awesome having a legend like yourself uh, join us here in the alley. Oh, that might
2: be a stretch calling me a legend, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? Uh, we've been we've been in Philadelphia you now since 1972. 73 it was my first year and uh, we call this home now we love it philly and the surrounding areas and of course uh you know loved it so much that we ended up building an ice rink over in aspen delaware county called IceWorks. sure a lot of your your listeners probably have been there but if not come and see us so we love the area so much we decided and we love hockey so much we decided to build an ice rink right guys so and we have four ice surfaces there so Lots of room for everybody. We got we got a program for everybody. Whatever they want to do in hockey, we can provide it for you.
0: <laughs> well, it's great, too. Uh, I I was trying to get my daughter into hockey, uh, and obviously that, that backfired for, for a couple of years. And now uh, me and my wife are catching her playing with a, a golf club in the back room. You go ask her what's going on. She doesn't play in hockey, so now she wants to start learning. And Iceworks is the perfect place for that. So works out pretty well.
2: Well, we have, yeah. That, uh, by the way, I can ask you, how old is your daughter?
0: She's gonna be six in uh, February. Hey, Jesse, come and see me. I'll get you a hockey stick so she can get
2: a, You know, get get out of the let the golf club go. Okay, we can get you a real <laughs> hockey stick. Well, you, you know,
0: I, I get her a hockey stick every time I tried to tell her. She told me no, and then all of a sudden she took it upon herself like she was rebelling against me. So
2: <laughs> that's the way
0: to go now. Yeah, um, hey,
2: listen, talking about hockey for girls we got major girls programs over there. All, and we have a lot of girls playing hockey today. A lot of girls playing hockey, guys. Lots of opportunities for girls in hockey. Uh, and to play at a high level, too, if you want. You just play for fun because you, and you love it. But if you get really good at it, I mean, there's opportunities to go to college and things like that. So there you go.
0: Yeah, hopefully that continues hopefully that continues cuz obviously with the women's you know they they uh i think there's like 6 or 7 teams right now for professional but hopefully that explodes uh the way it, it it should be um before we jump into this here um make sure you guys go like us on facebook at flyers alley uh on twitter at flyers alley pod 1 and instagram at flyers alley and go to www.oldcitysports.com check out all the cool stuff we are also sponsored by Body Check Wellness. Go to www.bodycheckwellness.com. Use promo code OCS for 25% off your C B D needs. Uh I'm not going to go through all of them. There's so many of them. It's just there's there's too many. Anyway, Anthony, you want to jump right into this. You got uh, Anthony's got some really good questions for you. I'm glad that you're uh you're linked into the flyers and you're up, up to date with it because we got some we got some dingers for you.
1: Yeah, Jim. I guess we'll just go right front and center. What were your overall thoughts from this last season with the Flyers?
0: Uh, well, you
2: know, it was disappointing. I mean, there's no other way to put it, right? I mean, it was just it was real down year for the Flyers. So I would say first response was disappointed, and uh, and then of course, you know, being a, a hockey guy and and just wanting to see things go well for them. Uh, you start thinking about what, well, what do they got to do to make it better? And, um, you know, they've got, you know, you, you can't talk about last year. It's over with and Put it behind us. It was brutal, frankly. I mean, but they've got some good young players there and they just got to figure a way to continue to add to that. Right. And they've got to get themselves a real good coach and a real good communicator and a real good teacher. I mean, These are all things that come into hockey now. You can't just be a coach. You got to be able to communicate and you got to be, you know, you got to be a a real good teacher and teach the game. And if you do those two things, communicate and teach, and then of course the third thing would be just a coach, that all comes into it, that all melds together. Uh, You're going to be fine as a coach, and that's critical to develop these young players because, in my opinion, uh, a lot of the young players have kind of stopped their growth and development, okay? And that's 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 a big concern of mine. And, uh, you know, you just look at guys like Proveroff, Travis Sanheim, Konechny, these three guys, I think off the top of my head, and Carter Hart, you know, they, they've kind of leveled off a little bit, um, maybe even gone backwards. And you have to ask why that is. So that, that's the key. And I don't know those answers. I, if I was there and in the, in, in around the team all the time, I probably would be able to give you a better answer. Um, you
1: know, it's, it, Jim, it's funny you say that. That's the, the progression of those three players, especially connecting, these one I want to touch on. It looks like this growth has been stunted. And and earlier on this Flyers Alley show, I've brought up the likes of John Tortorelli. You start to see his name out there. He's the guy that would immediately come in, change up the culture in the locker room. I, I called it a country club kind of culture. Is a guy like Torch? You know, he's kind of rechanged the way he coaches things he saw in Columbus. Do you think he can kind of really get that progression back and upcoming out of a guy like Me, who when he came on the scene was a flyer type player, played physical, got in your face, and could score?
2: Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I don't know enough about John. What I've seen from him uh, would lead me to say yes, because he actually when he left uh, Columbus last year, he left a pretty good culture there. They were a hardworking team. I mean, they didn't have maybe the talent some of the other teams did. He did have some good players there, mind you, but that not not at the level of the higher echelon, Boston's, Toronto's, people like that. Uh, and they had to compete against them. And of course, Tampa Bay. Uh, but they did beat Tampa Bay three years ago before Tampa started going on their little run in a playoff series, right? So that was all under Tortorella. He brought in this kid, Larson, who's coaching there now, and he's a product of John. Or I mean, Larson's his own man. He does his own thing, but I'm sure he learned a lot of the things he's doing there now through John. So uh, John would be a – I mean, he'd have to go through the interviewing process. Uh, could he do the job? Very possibly. I mean, I wouldn't say he couldn't do the job. I just don't know enough about it. I'm not in there. But he would be one I would consider. I mean, I would consider it. Rick Tockett, certainly. Rick's, Rick's proven to be a, a hell of a coach. It didn't work out for him in Phoenix, but yet he did a lot of good things there. He just didn't have the team. But he did a great job, I thought, in Pittsburgh as the assistant coach when they won those two cups. And from what I understand, he was an integral part of the whole coaching there. He was assistant coach, mind you, of course, but he was very integral in what they did there in, in Pittsburgh, in setting the discipline and the structure and whatnot, and the communication. So I like Tockett. Uh, you know, you got a guy like Barry Trotz, possibly. I mean, there's there's a number of guys that are out there, and uh, you know, the kid who just got fired in uh, Boston. I like him too. So I mean he, he's somebody the Flyers I'm sure are going to consider taking taking a shot at, right? So Absolutely. there's so there's there's a number of real good coaches out there. And then there's probably some young guys out there we haven't even mentioned. And I'm not adverse to that either. I mean, it was kind of odd last year. I thought uh, you know, the coach Vino was the guy for the job. They they were kicking butt, weren't they? They were like they are one of the top teams in the league, and then all of a sudden the virus hit, and when they came back and they the island they were lucky to beat Montreal, and then the Islanders beat them, and ever since then it's been downhill. And I thought Vigne was the guy for the job, so I don't know what happened there, uh, but uh, they got to figure it out. That's their jobs, and uh, they got to bring the right coach in. So we'll see what happens here.
0: Well, it's, it kind of sounds like a lot of to me personally is a lot of culture, uh, in the team, in the city, with the franchise. Um, in your opinion, you know, you, you know, oh,
2: hey, hey, hey Jesse, excuse me. what do you mean by culture? What do you mean by that?
0: So, I uh, well, ba- basically, you know, um, just kind of, uh, do you, it would kind of be the question of, do you think that the old the old Flyers, well what would what would basically need to change for the Flyers franchise to go back to what it used to be? Cause it's definitely has definitely has a change in, in culture nowadays, an environment of what the, what the team, even the feel of the team yeah. is. A lot of the players are even saying that, you know, the, the culture in the locker room, like is just not, you know, a friendly scene right now.
2: Oh, wow. That, that, that's really alarming. You know, I, I really didn't know that. Um, that is really alarming. Um, so You'd have to say, well, what happened? Where were the captains here? Where were the leaders? to Let this happen, right? So maybe we didn't have the right leaders. I mean, if that's the case, I don't know. <laughs> what would you lead? I mean, uh, and certainly also the coaching. Uh, maybe it starts with the coaching, certainly. But, uh, you know, we lost Ed Snyder. And Ed was, he was in the background to a certain extent. But, boy, he had an active, uh, he was very active in the whole the running of the hockey club. Not the day to day, but just overall, and, and really, Ed. You know what he demanded, guys. Ed Snyder demanded you work real hard, okay? and and everybody talks about that, right? But you, you got to do it, and you got to show it, and you got to do it consistently, and that has fallen off. Okay, we got guys worried about their their attitudes about how they're being treated in the media. Uh, or, or, what have you, instead of just getting gritty and going out there and playing the frigging game the right way and doing the best you can. And somehow that's crept in here. And that, I guess that's part of that culture you're we talking about, Jesse. So they, they've got to get this squared away, guys.
0: Well, yes. Yeah, so that that actually leads me up to, and that's actually, that's kind of how I, I figured that was going to kind of go. Because um, that's the, the, the culture, if, I mean, maybe that might be the wrong word, but you know, just the attitude in the locker room and such and how the players are feeling with each other. Um, there's, there's kind of a, there's a rumor going around and I guess this would kind of be your feelings on this. And it would be, uh, do you know any truth to uh Lindy Snyder buying the team?
2: I, I had not heard that.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. It's, 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 actually, wow. it's actually popping up every now, every now and then I, I'd caught it. Uh, actually, on Twitter, a couple months ago, or more than a couple months ago, and then it it, it keeps popping up every couple months, saying right. she keeps saying that she's going to bring the culture back, and she'll tag Riley Cote, or and you know, I, you know, I I personally think that there may be some tr- some truth to that. I didn't know if you had heard anything, or you know, I had not heard that. Boy, that would be that'd be great. I mean, or I, you know, I'd like to see a group of flyers,
2: both flyers, get together and buy the by the thing but lindy no lindy and she's got she's got the heart of her father and spirit and uh so i mean hey not a bad idea if she can bring it together it's something yeah it it would be better certainly if she was able to take it over i'd like to see a change that way honestly i would um so we'll see where it goes there i mean
0: that's a that's a rumor i had not heard yeah, I'm, so, a, I'm a big fan of that rumor, <laughs> a big fan. Oh, well, look, at guys, but, but
2: I think one of the big things we're missing here is communication. Both the communication between the coaches and the players has got to get real strong. I'm not sure what the level – I suspect the level was not very good, uh, and that, that is really a problem today in this day and age of players. So back in my day, you were just expected to know everything, and if you didn't know it, even when you came up as a 20-year-old rookie, when you started, when you turned pro, like I did at 20, they kind of expected you to know everything as a pro. And if you didn't know it, you got sent down, essentially. There was nobody there holding your hand and kind of explaining things to you. <laughs> so if you weren't focused and mature, those are key words, right? Maturity, I guess, would be the first thing. And that'll give you focus. And then you'll be able to overcome that. Okay, and you'll you'll overcome any obstacle. But if you're immature a little bit, you lose your focus, and uh, you start blaming uh, people instead of taking care of your own business. And that's that's what we talk about with the culture. Maybe that's what you meant by the culture, Jesse. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: Jim. If I can just jump in here, you mentioned a little while ago, but the leadership of the team the last couple of years. You know, this was a team, as you mentioned before, Corona hit. They're on a 10 game win streak. They go into the bubble. They win the round, robin, did, the number one seed in the East, the no-show in Game 7 against the Islanders. Since then, it's been all downhill. Yeah, Going into next season, if they make no moves, if they make moves, whatever, the young players, anybody they bring in, would you name a captain before the season, or would you go the entire next season without a captain
2: being named? Oh, my God. Okay, so so that's, that's a good question, Anthony. But in fairness, uh, I, you know, I'm not on the inside there, so I don't know um, some of those players. Uh, you know what? I might, might, I might name two or three cap- assistant captains. Maybe just you know, depending on what I had there. I don't know these guys. Okay, I know them a little bit, but I don't know enough about them. But we just mentioned three guys that have kind of leveled off, or four guys, and that's really the that's their base of their team. That's the you know that's really the key for the whole team. Is those four guys we talked about earlier, right? right. Hart, we talked. I- heart and gold, Sandheim and Proveroff on defense and me up front. I mean, and so uh, I don't know what I would do there. I'd have to see what we had. I, if I was coaching, I would make that decision, but from a distance, uh, I would go, if I felt I had somebody, of course, I could do it. He would be named captain. But if not, I wouldn't hesitate to, to wait and maybe name three co-head captains, something like that. But it would be greatly understood guys you know what it listen you don't need you don't necessarily have to have a captain but you have to have great leadership and everybody's got to take on the role of a leader you do you have to have you have to encourage that everybody be a leader and you have to encourage everybody into that and that, that may not be happening maybe some of the younger guys felt slighted by some of the older guys and you know it's a, it's a, it's tough when a, an older guy doesn't welcome, welcome a young guy into the fold so that could have been going on. I don't know. I don't know. But it could have been. But you have to do that. You have to have great leadership. And, again, that comes from being mature and focused. And, you know, with our club, when we played, our, our captain was Bob Clark. Of course, he was a, one of the greatest captains not only in hockey, maybe all of sports. But uh, he encouraged the rest of us to be leaders also well, just by going out working hard. Um, And that's it. When you work hard, you become a leader immediately. That's all it is. Imagine that. Just think what I just said, fellas, you don't have to be a a vocal guy, a boisterous guy, but if you work real hard all the time and have a good positive attitude, you become a leader. Everybody starts looking up to you. And then they start to emulate you. They try to do what you're doing because you're doing all the right things.
0: That makes a lot of sense. See, I, I, I personally, uh, I, I like kind of like a, I would say like a like a Shea Weber type of a captain or a Gabriel Landeskog type of, type of captain, but uh, at the same time I, I, that that is a, that's a great point that the the leader doesn't have to be like the loudest guy in the room and such. Kind of how how Claude Giroux is kind of getting it. Uh, a lot of I mean you know the fan you know the fan base you you've been here you've been here in the Stanley winning the Stanley Cups and you've been here when you know maybe some years you guys haven't haven't done that well the fans let you know about it and a lot of the uh, fan base gives Claude Giroux the kind of the, the the kick to the curb when he's not the guy out there fighting and he's not the guy out there uh you know screaming on the ice and such so to hear that you know that being a captain doesn't actually have to be like the loudest guy in the room that that speaks volumes
2: but he has to be the hardest worker he nobody can work harder than him okay just remember what I'm saying here. The guy's got to work. He's got to be the hardest working guy and he's got to have a good positive attitude and be a leader. That's it. But you don't become a leader unless you, you work real hard and you, and you don't work real hard unless you've got a big heart and you but you really think, well, you're mature. So you got to be mature first and then you're always going to work real hard. Your heart's going to follow your head and it'll always work. And then that's how you become a captain. That's how you become a leader. Okay. So, and it's, it's, the you know what? in our game or in any game, I suppose, but aren't talking about hockey, it's one of the greatest things you can do in hockey is be a leader. And in life, right? We're all looking for good leaders in life. Well you lead through example. You don't lead through just screaming horn and whatever. You making good smart decisions and being intelligent and calm and calm and pressure and freaking fired up. <laughs> I should go in here. So there's but but listen, it comes down to being very mature Okay. And by being mature, then you're always going to be focused and work hard, guys. And I think that's where some of the guys lose it on this team. I don't always see that. It looks like something's bothering them. Like if you make a bad play or whatever, you're not scoring. Oh, you're giving up goals. You know, you can't worry about that. You just got to really get back in there and work real hard again. That's you know that's what Bobby Clark always used to say. <laughs> now we had a we had a uh, mantra in our locker room that we never get outworked. Never get outworked. We never said you got to win the game. But we said we can never get outworked. And just think about that. That 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 takes care of it all, doesn't it? Absolutely. There, there you go. go.
0: There you go, guys. We'll try to apply that to, to the, the 2022 <laughs> 23 season, see how that works. Um, I, I did want to, I did, I don't know. Anthony, do you have anything? Do you want to continue on uh, nowadays hockey or do you want to go? Do well, if it? I can just ask one quick yeah. question, it, 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 it's about Bobby Clark.
1: Obviously, we know the great leader he was. Uh, a couple months ago, he was on another hockey podcast and he made comments about former general manager Ron Hextall. And pretty much saying, you know, Hextall did what he wanted in that 17 draft. He took uh, Nolan Patrick. And according to Bobby Clark, Clark and the Scouts, they wanted Kale McCarr at second overall that year. Obviously, Nolan Patrick, he's gone in Vegas now. Kale McCarr is a bona fide superstar in the league. Um, do you take those comments as a legitimate saying from Bobby Clark? Or is this just kind of wishful thinking?
2: I think, I think Bobby was just being honest. He's very honest, Bobby. He's candid and honest tells it the way he sees it. And that's kind of refreshing. We like that, okay? Uh, and, you know, Ron's a big guy. Ron's been very successful as general manager. He, he's done a lot of real good things in hockey. And he had a tremendous career. And he was a fiery competitor, big heart. Uh, but, you know, you don't always make the right decisions. And that was a mistake, had all the mistake. Nobody can say any different. Ron probably, I would assume, Ron would probably admit it too, right? Uh,
0: so I don't believe Marcy was right. Yeah. I mean, he, a lot of people do have that question as well. And actually our, uh, our other co-host, uh, Wade had, had a question for you. Uh, we're, we're live on Facebook and Twitter, so people can actually interact with you. Um, Wade actually had said, uh, Mr. Watson, uh, what's Mr. Watson's opinion on Claude Giroux as a captain?
2: Well, I had trouble. I had pr- problems with Claude as a captain. I, you know, I, I and one of the things that bothered me with Claude, I you know, I didn't really know him that well personally, but you know what I used to see him out on the ice, he would be always kibbutzing and and playing around with the other team, like kidding around with them during the game, tapping them on the pads, joking with them, smiling. And, and to me, that's not a captain. You don't do that. And I think that took some of the players down. Okay, that that was my beef with Claude. Claude was a very productive player, hell of a player, skill guy, produced big time for the Flyers. But as a leader, I think he uh, could have been a lot better, and that would be probably the main reason why. Uh, But you you know what? You weren't. You're you're not. You're not buddies with the other team, and I saw a lot of that that I didn't like. I Never liked that, and uh, so that was my beef with Claude. But I. But as far as a player and actually producing, I mean, he was tremendous. Made a lot of wonderful plays and played so well. But um, for some reason. That didn't, he didn't figure that out. And I don't know why somebody didn't tell him about it because if I was down there, I was in the organization. I would have went to him and talked to him about it.
0: But it's funny though. Uh, Wade, like I said, as our co-host, you, it's like you guys were uh, communicating telepathically because that's exactly why he didn't, he had his issues with him as a captain because he said that he played around too much with the other team and was kind of smiling and whistling along and you know, kind of not, uh, not really. Hold
2: it. Is that what Wade, is it Wade you said?
0: Yeah, Wade had said that. He said that uh, he's been well, saying that for the past three years, to be honest. With wait, you. Wait,
2: wait, Wade's right on with that. Yeah. Wade's right on with that. And uh, uh, I, yeah. I totally agree with Wade. That's what That's what I said all along, too. And when I started seeing it, I said, what the hell is he doing? Now, there was another mistake made with Giroux. Okay. That was when he got into trouble up in Ottawa. When he went early in his career, he went back to Ottawa for the summer. He lived ah, up there. that's
0: right. That's right. With and the
2: got, cop, right? And he got in trouble with the RCMP up there. Right? Yeah, slapping the ass. Yeah, yeah slapping the ass. And you know what? I would have taken the captaincy away for him. I would have yeah. said, you know what? You're not you're not a captain. I would have taken away. And I'll say, you know what, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Maybe you get it back next year, but for this year, you're 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 not the captain. Because you're not acting like a captain. And that's it. But nothing happened. They didn't do a damn thing to him. Not, and that, that troubled me too. Okay, guys? So there you have it.
0: You know, Jim, I mean, have you thought about coaching? I don't
2: know. Oh, the, the accountability you would
1: have is yeah. just absolutely, it's totally, I don't think anybody on Broadway would recognize it right now.
0: No. Yeah. The biggest thing that they need <laughs> right now is accountability. A lot of a lot of former players are saying that one thing that's missing from the franchise or from the team is accountability right now. And I, I, I'm huge on accountability.
2: Yeah, no, and I agree, guys, but you have to step back a little bit and say, well, why is that happening, right? Like, what's going on there? I mean, before accountability, you got to get the guys in there just, you know, thinking straight. Um, Totally agree with you on accountability. That's great. But I think before that happens, you got to get the guys in there, talk to them, and get them, get, and form this team and get this team together and, and bond and, and, and really get a good spirit and, you won't have to have as much accountability because it'll take care of itself, right? That's what happens. How do you take care of accountability? Well, yeah, you can tell guys, you know, you know what? You're sitting out. All right. You're sitting out fine, but you really win the guy over. Maybe you win him over for a little bit, but he's probably going to go maybe go back to his old ways. I don't know. But if you, if you teach him the right way, get him thinking straight, then there's probably not going to be accountability because he's going to come and say to you, geez, I screwed up today. You know, I should have played a lot better. I'll, 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 do better next time. I'm gonna work harder in practice. Okay, so that's kind of what happens there. So, um, but I agree with you. There has to be
0: accountability in everything. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Obviously, um, I want to take, I want to step off the team first for a little bit. I want to step off. Think. I mean, you could We can only talk so much about how the Flyers are doing now. I, I, I believe. I'm the one guy that'll believe that we'll see what happens this season. I wanted Jim Montgomery as a coach. Obviously, that, that doesn't seem oh, like that's
2: happening. Jim Montgomery, you know what? He was a good coach. He ran into some problems personally, but he was a good coach. And you know what? That's another name. There you are. I don't know what his status is right now. He's down in te- Texas, right? He's an assistant down in Texas, is he?
0: He's in St. Louis. He's in St. Louis St. now. Louis.
2: He's with Kirk Berube in St. Louis. Okay. Um No. Yeah. I, you know what? You brought up a good name. Yeah. So there you have it.
0: Um, yeah. It, 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 I, I want to jump back. I want to jump back to, to uh, you on the Flyers. Um, what what were your thoughts being drafted to the Flyers? Uh, did you like it or dislike it? Because I've talked to a couple players and uh, Frank Bailhouse actually being one of them is a good friend of mine Um. said he didn't even want to come here. <laughs> So uh, is is that kind of how you were, how you were? uh... (laughs) No, I never looked at it that way
2: at all. I was just so thrilled, guys, to get drafted into the NHL. Because this was a lifelong dream of mine. I was living up in northern British Columbia, Canada. You know, about 200, I I come from about 200 miles south of Alaska. And about 100 miles inland from the Pacific Ocean, right in the heart, heart of the Rocky Mountains. Wow. And, and uh, so we're way up there, but a small town of like 3,000 people. But all I ever wanted to be was a hockey player. Now, if I wasn't going to be a hockey player, I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. Oh. And, but uh, So through all my youth hockey, I dreamt about playing in the National Hockey League. And then I got into juniors and I played in Calgary as a 16-year-old, played there for four years. And I got drafted out of Calgary Junior, Philadelphia. And uh, it was accumulation of all my efforts. I was so excited to come to Philadelphia. I was thrilled. I didn't know much about the city, but Joe, my brother Joe, was here at the time, so he was my uh, kind of like liaison to the city and the organization. And um, um, I was just excited about it. And uh, came down here. They brought me down to sign my first contract with the other first round pick. Or first, actually, it was the first four picks. That's the year Billy Barber. Got drafted in the first round. Tommy Bladen in the second round. I was in the third round. And Alan McAdam, who turned out to be a hell of a National Hockey League player, whose flyers ended up trading for to get Reggie Leach. He was the main guy we traded to get Reggie Leach, who was just a tremendous player for us. So I'm in the Philly, and, uh, and I came to my first camp, and, man, I was so excited about it. And I I did make the flyers the first year. I went down to the American League, which was down in Richmond, Virginia at the time. Yeah, that for was the their Robins, Mar- right? Richmond Robins. Yes, that was their American League franchise, and uh, got my got my experience down there. So went down there for a year, played under a coach by the name of Larry Wilson, just a great coach, who really taught me a lot about pro hockey and how to conduct myself. And it was a big transition from junior to the American League. But he was there to help me. Great coaching, great communicator. Um, And then uh, I got called up at the end of my first year for four four games in the regular season. And then I actually, uh, we got knocked out in our playoffs down there. I went back for the playoffs. We got knocked out in our playoffs. And then they brought me up to the Stanley Cup playoffs as an alternate. Okay. And so I, I was with the team with about four or five other guys. And we just hung with the team, practiced with the team. And then I ended up getting into two games uh, at the end of that playoff against Montreal in the semifinals. And uh, we lost to Montreal in five games that year. But I ended up getting to play in two of those games. And you guys don't understand, but for a young kid from northern British Columbia, playing playing the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs and actually playing a game at the Montreal Forum, which was at that time, the uh, it was like the palace of hockey. I mean, that was... You know, it was uh, Taj Mahal of hockey, if you will. And I played there in that playoff game. And, uh, man, I was so excited. And then after that game, guys, little story. After that game, uh, Bobby Clark, we're sitting in the locker. We just got knocked out of the playoffs. But the games were close. We really competed hard with Montreal. And uh, that was back in 1972. So, you know, we were bridging that gap between the old teams and the new teams. And uh, Clarkie said, okay, get everybody out of the locker room. We're going to have a meeting. And just the players were in there. And I was one of the players. And he said, listen, guys. He said, go home, have a great summer of training, take good care of yourself, and come back ready to rock and roll because we've got a hell of a team here and a chance to do something really.'"
1: Let me ask you, because obviously, like Jesse said, you know, Philly was kind of they come in in 67. It wasn't a well-known hockey place. And, you know, the fans didn't really take to the Flyers right away. After you guys had the success, 74, 75 with the back to back cups, you know, hockey became well-known in Philly. What was the celebrations like in Philadelphia after winning that first Stanley Cup? Oh, my God.
2: You have no idea, Anthony. <laughs> well, you know what? The, the city the city was starved for a winner. Okay? The other teams were not doing really well, the other professional teams. I think, you know, it, it, it had been a long time since, I don't think the Eagles, the Eagles hadn't won since 1960 or 61 maybe. I think the 76ers maybe won in 67 or something. Uh, and the, 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 the Phillies hadn't won in quite a while. I don't remember the last time they won before that. So, uh, we came in, and you know what? Uh, hockey took off, though, guys. Anthony, Jesse, you guys had said that. Anthony, you mentioned it wasn't that popular. But you know what? The first game of the spectrum, 7,500 people showed up for an NHL hockey game. That's not bad. Um, but as the season wore on, they kept getting more and more, well, better and better attendance. And they had a weekend series. Uh, I think it was like January where they played Toronto and Chicago back-to-back Saturday, Sunday at the Spectrum, and they sold out both games. I mean, it was pretty impressive, guys. Uh, people took to the game. They loved the game. So, to answer your question, Anthony, um, the the fans just loved the Flyers. They loved hockey. They loved, they loved the pace of the game, and they loved the contact of the game. They, you know, they loved it. And, of course, we were winning. We were winning, right? We were winning. We had a great year that first year. And we won the cup. We had a, a regular season. We were in first place. So um the fans came up to us and said, we just love you guys because we we first of all you won you've won. You made us a winner. And we love the we love hockey. We love the pace of the game and the physicalness of the game. So there you have it. Um but that then we so then after we won at the parties, <laughs> the city was just on fire. Um we had that parade. The first parade and they put us in these uh, convertible cars they didn't know what to expect and so we were you can imagine there's like a million people or some damn thing two million people down on the on broad street and we're we're kind of knifing our way through two million people in these convertible skies and of course people are just able to lean over the cars and just touch you and shake your hands and whatever you know what i mean so it was unreal the people were so excited uh, and just to be a part of that was amazing. So, I mean, I never won anything until I got to Philadelphia, and then I won the Stanley Cup, for God's sakes. So My,
0: my dad had told me that the the crowd for the Stanley Cup, for when you guys won it the two years, was bigger than any other uh, championship that any Philly sport team has ever won, by, by, like, millions.
2: You know what? It could be. I mean, I, I, I think they estimated two million people at our parade. Uh and it, it was uh but they were just so good to us. So I was a young single guy at the team. Oh, and, uh, oh boy <laughs> There we go. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, all right? We yeah, we'll we just will. leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Oh my god, it was uh we still we you know what, we have a great alumni and we all get together occasionally and we just have such a good time because we were we were quite a team as it was, you know, we had, we had great character in our team and uh, just a lot of personalities. So, but we get together and just tell stories and we reminisce. And of course it's always fun to reminisce. Right. And uh, fortunately we had tremendous success. So that's what makes it really special.
1: I that first cup, you guys beat the, I think they were named the big bad Bruins at the time. I told you off the air, I'm actually from Boston, Massachusetts. My, my dad, diehard Bruins fan, loved yeah. Bobby Orr. That was his guy. You yeah. guys beat the Bruins, get the first cup. What was it like though going up against Bobby Orr? Because the old myth is it's because of him, the 67 expansion comes into the league. Just talk about if you can. Going up against, in my opinion, one of the greatest hockey players of all time, if not the greatest.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he he he's right there. He he's right there. And certainly in a generation, he was a he was the best player. Okay. I mean, you gotta go. You go on now with the other generations. You get you get into Lemieux and Gretzky and these people. But then before that, you had, you had Gordie Howe, Bobby Hall, people like that. But Bobby Orr was phenomenal. But you know what? When we played on uh, Freddie Sherrill, our coach, uh, he he came up with a great, great coaching strategy. So uh, when Bobby was such a great player and such a dominant player and was so good with a prox and one of the greatest skaters ever, so, uh, most teams would always say, "Well, keep the puck away from Orr. You know, dump it in the other corner. Don't let Orr get it. Keep it away from Orr." But Freddie Sure that just the opposite. He said, "Every chance you get, give the puck to Bobby Orr. Put it in his corner. Let him go back and get it." And of course, when he has the puck, now you can get in his way. You can bump him and aggravate him, and 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 that's what we did. So it wore him down after a while because he was playing a ton. The guys would just get in his way, bang him a little bit here and there. And, uh, that, that was the strategy and it paid off for us at the end. I mean, as great as he was, and he was, he was still the best at the end, but he was worn down a little bit, but that was a great strategy by, uh, by Fred Shearer, our coach to give him the puck and let us take him out physically a little bit rather than keeping away from him. But, uh, Bobby was, um, he had already gone through about four or five uh, knee operations. So he was, you know what, um, he was, he was, uh, playing on basically, I guess, a leg and a half almost, you know. Uh, but he was just so good and so good with a puck that uh, it was everything we could do to contain him. But he had these other guys, guys like Esposito and Hodge, Busick and McKenzie and these guys, um, Cashman, who I just I didn't like at all, Carol Vadney on defense. Um, I used to run into Cashman all the time. We had battles all the time because i i was a left defense. he was a right winger and he'd come in there and try to aggravate bernie and try to get our goat and uh we would go at it quite often so um but bobby just just the greatest player possibly ever right there right there um uh, and when he got the puck at the point it was like boy just try to clear out as much as you can and hopefully Bernie sees the puck and can stop it. <laughs> that was the <laughs> game plan. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to stop them. you only can hope to contain him a little bit, right? So that, yeah. that, was, yeah. that was kind of the mode for Bobby. But uh, getting past that, I got to play with Bobby and Team Canada in 1976 and got to know him a little bit. And just a great guy. Just a freaking great guy. Love Bobby. And he was so good for the game. You, I mean, Bobby revolutionized the game, guys. When he broke into the league in 1966, he uh, he turned the game around. The like defensemen back then were kind of like guys who just chipped the puck out and chipped it in. They didn't carry the puck hardly at all. All of a sudden, Bob York came into the league as an 18-year-old in 1966-67 and was carrying the puck up the ice, leading the rushes. I mean, I think he led, led the league in scoring one year uh, for a defenseman. And back then, in that era, they didn't do it. No, not, nobody carried the puck hardly at all. They just passed it up. We revolutionized the game. Bobby did. So there you have it.
1: I, I got to ask you mentioned Bernie Perron. He was traded back from the Bruins, I believe. And then he's the backstop to the back-to-back Stanley Cups briefly.
2: If you don't mind, just talk about what Bernie Prant the confidence he instilled in the team at that time. Yeah. Well, you know what he, he, he came actually, uh, that's a good point by you, but it was actually Toronto. That's right. But he did play with the Bruins a bit first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he got drafted by the Bruins. Uh the Flyers drafted him in the expansion draft. And then he was just the Flyers for a year or two. And then he went to the World Hockey League. And then uh, he got traded to Toronto. Uh, and then Flyers got him back. The Flyers got him back. And I'll never forget the very first game. It was my first year back it was my first year in Philly. They brought him back to Philly and we're playing an exhibition game at the at the spectrum. And he, and he gave up about eight or nine goals. <laughs> in the first wicked game, and people are booing him and say, "What the hell you bring him back for?" <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> and then, and then of course he goes out and just lights it up, you know. But uh, Bernie was a—he uh, he was a character, just a great goalie. He had—he his was, you know, like a, back in those days it was kind of like a stand-up style. So he stood up, you know. He didn't go down on his knees like they do now. And uh, he was quick, sharp, witty. Um, just a very talented goalie, um, and love playing with Bernie. Great personality, great attitude. Happy go lucky. I mean, he had, he had to deal with, find a way to deal with the nerves of playing goal, and that's what it was. It was kind of like a jokester, kind of joking on the ice during the game, stuff like that. <laughs> we would say, Bernie, Bernie, calm down. We got to focus here. And he'd say, Where are we going after the game tonight, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> goalies are definitely a different breed that's awesome. oh my god oh my lord so but uh, he was special bernie he was special and uh we love him we love him yeah so that's it for bernie
1: uh we got another question from facebook that uh wade oruska asks how is joe watson and gary H- uh dornhoffer doing
2: oh they're doing great dorney dorney's down in uh, down in uh, atlantic city uh <laughs> and he's he's down there he moved down there ocean city or atlantic city and i think they're in that he's in a dog uh, um, program where he uh, takes i think old greyhound dogs uh maybe that are looking to be maybe euthanized and he, and he salvages them and, and then gives them a, gives them a home and then tries to farm them up to people and that's so he's awesome. doing yeah he, he loves it he loves his dogs and then big joe big joe brother joe is doing great he lives about five minutes away from me over here in Delaware County.
0: And, uh,
2: you know, one thing I'm I said, I'm
0: from Delaware County.
2: Oh, that's nice. Uh, whereabouts in Delaware County are you? I grew uh, up in Booth Wynn in Chichester. Yes, Booth Wynn. Good old Booth Wynn, for God's sake. So you're only five minutes from Iceworks.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally right over the border now in Delaware. I didn't go very far.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. But, uh, we got a lot of hockey players come out of
0: Booth Wynn. Yeah. And, uh,
2: they go; those kids go to Chichester and Garnet Valley, don't they? Where do they go?
0: Uh, well, they're, they're two separate uh, schools now, but I was from Chichester. Okay,
2: so we have Chichester High School plays out of there, and so does uh, Garnet Valley. Oh, that's all.
0: Yeah, and oh. you, and yeah, you guys. Yeah, you do have that. That's right. Last time I was there, they were playing.
2: Yeah, yeah, but Joe's doing well. Getting back to Joe, and I always say about Joe, you can always hear Joe before you see him. Okay, because he's always talking, always going, always got something happening, man. He was a big part of our team, our success, Joe. What a player he was. Didn't always get the credit he deserved. But boy, he was dependable, man, and dedicated, dependable, a leader. Uh, gave everything he had every night. It was inspiring to watch. Of course, he's my brother. We love him dearly. I was going to say, it's was...
0: got to be great having your brother on the team, right? I mean, you know what? It really was. It really was, guys,
2: because uh, Joe went away to play junior hockey when he was 17 years old. So at that time I was only like eight, okay. So I didn't see much of my brother because he would only come home for two or three months in the summer, right? So when I got drafted to Philadelphia, I said, "Holy crap, this is great, Joe! I'm going to get to know my brother again." And uh, it was great because he always—I could always lean on him if I needed, uh, you know, advice on things like that. So, but uh, Joe's doing really well. He's he's kind of semi-retired now and uh, just enjoying life. But uh still a big big hockey fan. And uh now he's got a couple grandkids and uh he's out and about with them and teaching them how to try to encourage them how to play hockey and stuff like that. So um it's all good. Thank you for asking, guys.
0: Yeah, we uh I g I kinda gotta ask you. We talked a little bit uh obviously about you you uh who you've played with uh on Boston and some of the players like uh, Bernie front you play with and your brother. And, uh, uh, what was it like playing with Dave Schultz? Uh, I grew my dad introduced me to Dave Schultz very early in my, uh, you, obviously when I started watching hockey, he wasn't playing anymore. But, uh, when I got into it, one of the first people he showed me who he was, I'm a huge, huge fan of, of the enforcer of the policing on the ice, the sheriffs and such. What was it like playing with Dave Schultz?
2: I want to ask you first, how did your dad know Dave Schultz? Or did he, he just introduce you? In other words, he showed you who he was? He, he
0: showed me who he was. He didn't. He didn't oh, I see. Okay. I've met him a couple times, but not, not through my father.
2: Yeah, okay. So, listen, Dave, Dave was uh, Dave was just a tremendous guy. And, uh, you know, uh, we like to talk, you know, Dave, get with him now and then we chat. And uh, one of the things I asked Dave was, uh, how was it like getting ready for a game when you know you're probably going to have to fight every game? And you know, he always said it was it was difficult. I mean, at, at some point, I mean, it just got you know. But he, he, of course, he 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 initiated most of the fights. Don't get me wrong, but after a while, after you've done that for a couple of years, right? Then the big tough guys that come in for the other teams start challenging you, and you got to answer the bell. And he just said, I had to kind of sleep on it. He said, I made my I made my bed, Now I had to sleep in a type of deal. So I um, I just took it on as it came. But uh, you know what, he was a quiet guy, Dave, but very intelligent, loved to have a good conversation with Dave. Uh, But when he would get into a game, we get on the ice, it was a totally different story, guys. It would just be like a light switch going off, you know, or going on. And Dave just gets so fired up during the games. My my gosh. But it was wonderful to be around, I'll tell you that. It was, because he was so intense when we get into his, into that, into that emotion where he was going to take somebody on, I mean, he came at you with so much intensity, fierce, ferocious intensity, Um, that maybe the fight was almost one before he started the damn fight when other, other guys, <laughs> other guys, other guys would see him coming. Holy crap. I think there was
0: one, him. one thing I I remember, obviously I've seen it when I was older. My dad showed me uh uh, I forget what game it was and who he was doing it against, but he was grabbing onto the boards and he was slamming his body up against someone else's body against the boards. And I saw that and was absolutely enthralled in in, in the sport of hockey. And obviously after that came like the actual sport of it. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, I have, I have shrines of Dave Schultz in my, in my, my studio here with the, the hammer and I actually, I, I was, I was bidding about three years ago. I saw on eBay, they were actual like uh, statuettes of his knuckle, of his hands, uh, kind of like uh, just like a bust of his hands and a hammer that was on auction on eBay. I wanted to get, but I ended up getting his wine instead. Um,
2: well, you know what's interesting? I don't think they've ever broke his hand in a fight.
0: That's impressive. And-
2: and 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 secondly, uh, I asked him about his uh, his hands, and, and and they're not sore at all. Like he doesn't have any arthritis in his hands or anything. Oh my God! So I don't know how he pulled that off, you know. But Dave was a good hockey player too. That's not that's not like he 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 had he, They had a we had a great third line with with Kinderchuk at center with Dave on the left wing and Don Seleski on the right during our Cup wins, and they were a very very. Uh, efficient team or line for us. They they produced a lot of goals for a third line, and they a lot of times came up as a checking line uh, against the other teams. Well, not the top line, but they would always win the battle against the other team second or third line. And uh, Schultz, man, he he produced too. That line produced big time for us. Horse Horse was a real good centerman, and he made plays. And Scholzey and Bird go and dig the fuck out. And uh, they scored Scored. their, certainly scored their share of goals. I mean, Dave had 20-goal seasons, like, a couple of 20-goal seasons. And I think Donnie Seleski might have got a 30-goal season. Uh, and they always produced in the playoffs for us also. So uh, he was more than just a fighter, guys. He, uh, he, uh, he also produced on the ice when we were playing the game. And you know what? He didn't take, like, he did a lot of fighting, fellas, but he didn't take a lot of, like, bad penalties. You know what I'm saying? If he, 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 if he took, if he got a penalty, it was generally with somebody else taking somebody off off with him. Now there were times when he went off by himself, of course, but not as much as you may think. So he was a he was a real team player, and he gave the team a lot of courage too. I mean, there were t- you know we going to play the Bruins, you know certain teams they're real tough teams. We want to play the Rangers. But we had rivals, you know, the Flyers back then. We had rivals with rivalries with everybody. Seriously, the Flyers had a rivalry with pretty much everybody and uh, Toronto, Montreal, you go right down the line, Boston, New York, New York Islanders, uh, Chicago, wherever we went, the Flyers are coming, the Flyers are coming, get ready, you know, that type of deal. And we knew it was always going to be a tough game. And we knew we were always going to get the best of the other team's games. So, but we didn't mind that. That got us prepared for the playoffs. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, Jim. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that that, that
1: was it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned basically what you just said was Flyers versus everybody mentality. Uh, I think that's awesome. That gave the team the identity. I I know we moved on from this past season's team, but I'm going to ask my question kind of to tie it all together here uh, because it's the last question I got for you today. Wouldn't you love to see this year's Flyer team get that, you know, that agitator kind of play back, right? you're going into a on a Tuesday night into New Jersey now that rivalry's back or even if you play Tampa Bay on a Thursday night in November like they want to beat you up like would you love to see and I know the game's totally different back in the 70s and 80s don't you want to see the Flyers play with more
2: of that jam no, in the, their game more of that in your face yeah they, they have to get more of that they have to get more toughness on the team they have to I don't know what happened there they kind of let it go although they had the big big, big kid in right and he and, and he and he did a good job when he could but, you know, there was a situation really aggravated the hell out of me. Probably the best flyer overall all year was probably Cam Atkinson or close to it, right? Would you agree? Yeah. He was one of the best, certainly, of, of the flyers consistently. And they, they go into Washington and Wilson, Tom Wilson, runs him. Runs him, right? I don't know if you guys saw that. You remember oh, that yeah, guy? I remember, right? Oh, In the yeah. neutral yep. zone. Ran him and, and, and knocked Atkinson out for the frigging game and rest of the season. Right? Yep. And the and the flyers the flyers know you got this guy in the division. You're going to play him six or eight times. You're going to play him in the playoffs. You got to have somebody to deal with him, right? You got to have somebody, and they didn't do it. I didn't. Well, I I guess McEwen, I don't know whether he, he's the guy for the job. Maybe he, did. he is. He
0: did it earlier in the season. They they went at it. McEwen gave it though. He handed it to him. But it never <laughs> happened again. It was like they it it was like someone went into the locker room and said, "You guys got to calm down a little bit."
2: Jesus your kid's okay. So uh, McEwen gave it to Wilson. Oh, absolutely! At
0: the beginning of yeah, the season, yeah, uh silly. Uh, he he. Uh, Wilson came and tried to hit him, and uh, McEwen just dropped the gloves immediately. They went at it, and I mean, I think Wilson hit him once, but McEwen definitely got the better of him. That's not being biased. I'm I'm a big fan. Well, of Yeah, that
2: no, game. I, I I believe that. I didn't see that unfortunately, but but you know he should have he should have literally gone on the friggin' ice and just went over and challenged, um, Wilson right there. Because that that cannot stand. That you can't have that. Okay, your top goal scorers get knocked out by this big freaking guy. You, you know something's got to happen right away, and it didn't. It didn't. And at that point in the season, Flyers were out of the playoffs anyways, right? Uh, oh, yeah. so it, it should have been responded to, and they have to change that because they're, they're, you know every well. Look at what's going on down North Pat Maroon down in um, down in Tampa, right? He kind of does his thing out on the ice, and nobody basically touches him. You know, if you're going to play them in the playoffs, you're going to run into them in the, in the Eastern Conference, right? Possibly, if you get there, you're yeah. going to run into guys like Absolutely. Pat Maroon. They got the big tough guy in New York, right?
1: Brian Reeves. Uh, yeah, Reeves is there now. But, I mean, you you look back in 2010 when the Flyers made the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they had Carcillo as their prime, I would say, heavyweight guy. But you also had Le Perrier, who was a tough guy in that fourth line. Chris Pronger could drop the gloves at the drop of a hat. Mike Richards, the leader, my favorite captain the teams had in my my era. He could fight like they don't. They have that one guy that they relied on this year that was a constant player in McEwen. So I love the guy. He'll fight anybody. We saw him lose yeah. to Simmons, but he needs some help there to play physical. So I'm with you. They got to get more physicality. They got to be more of a dickhead mentality in that lineup.
2: Yeah. What's uh, what's what is his? What are uh, McEwen's dimensions, please? How tall is he? Six three, six four. I can look that up for you real quick, Jesse. Yeah. He he's can. what two two fifteen, two twenty? What is he? He's a big body, that's for sure. From the West, man. He's from the uh the he's Canucks. From,
1: uh, I think he played juniors out there too.
2: Did, did he play out the Prince West? Edward
0: Island?
2: He a Maritimer, tough Maritimer. Tough they're tough. They come out of the Maritimes they are tough.
0: He is you know, uh six, three, 205 pounds.
2: You know what? They got their
0: guy there. They got to keep him on, and they got to add a little bit to it. But they
2: got to get guys they can play to. He also
0: he also was, uh, and it's it's. I agree with the Cam Atkinson uh, statement. But uh, you know, I, I I was able. I'm not trying to put my tires up. I was able to actually talk to uh, McEwen earlier this year in an interview and uh, kind of explain to him he loves the city, obviously, and that the the blue collar mentality the city has always had and still has. Um, yep. He he definitely knows his role, but he also was one of the only players this entire season that played every single minute he was on the ice. And that was very frustrating for me with him being a fourth line player the entire season. I personally thought he should have been moved up a little bit because he was, he was taking the puck into the, into the zone some of the times and then he was checking every 10 seconds. And then if he needed to, he was just an all around player at the beginning of the season. And then against a light, a light switch flip, and that was the end of it. Oh, so he never got he
2: never got up, moved up to the third line at all,
0: huh? Very. So, if someone was hurt, it would happen. Him and Patrick Brown were moved up and down pretty much, but he was a yeah, he was yeah. pretty much a fourth liner.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, if I'm sure the kid's a bright young man. Hopefully, he goes home and has a great. He's got to have a great summer of training, and and, and increases his speed. You know, and. And then he'll come back, and hopefully they'll give him a shot. They got to give him a shot. I mean that's what happens. You earn that. You know you can't just pigeonhole somebody. If you guys are saying what you're saying, Um, he should get a chance, certainly at the higher at a higher level. So um, they've got to find a little more toughness and grit. I mean the the defense. You know what? Uh, They've got to get a little grittier too, right? I mean they they they, uh, there's not enough of that on the back end. Um, You know you got to be to be a little grittier you don't have to fight you don't have to run guys to the board but you got to be real tough and win battles you got to win all your battles for the puck is what i mean not, not physical like like fighting but right. you got to win your physical battles for pucks and stuff and that's where toughness comes in and toughness comes in guys where you freaking play hard every game no matter how you feel that's where real toughness comes in right absolutely there, there you have it
0: i got i i'm gonna i know uh we're Coming up on an hour here, I gotta. I'm gonna leave you with one more question. um It's kind of a two-parter, but um mean, you can take it how, how you want to take it. Who do you mod- who did you model your game after? And I guess slash who was your favorite player growing up?
2: Oh, that's a good that's a good question, man. You're taking <laughs> you're going way back now, but there was a uh, Jim Nielsen played defense for the New York Rangers, and for some reason, I really like the way he skated. Um, North American Indian played for the Rangers. Came out of Prince Albert, Prince Albert, Al, uh, Saskatchewan, and uh, big, tough, hard-nosed defenseman played for the Rangers. Jim, Jim Nielsen, and I just took a liking the way he skated. So he would probably be my idol. But uh, just as a player, but as, in my position, but uh, when I was a kid, it was always Gordy Howe was my favorite player. Yes, yes. So, yeah, the great Gordy Howe. Um, so, what was the second part of that question?
0: I think it was. Um, who did you? Uh, who did you model your game after? And who was your favorite player growing up?
2: Okay, all right. So, so uh, yeah, I, I answered it then. So Gordy Hell was my favorite player, and then I modeled my game a little bit after Jim Nielsen, and of course, my brother Joe, somewhat too. You know, I idolized Joe, um, but the, yeah, Jim Nielsen, a great skater. Ever get a chance look at some film of him? He was a really good player for the Rangers for a number of years uh but
0: uh, that's it so we got it figured out that's it guys absolutely and you know what and thank you so much for coming on uh um, i know we and you have been talking about it for a little while since december we threw our cancer benefit at ice works been a little bit i'm uh so glad we could get you to come on thanks for uh joining us jim and hopefully it won't be the last time hopefully we get you back on here when the flyers maybe turn it around
2: yes 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 that's that's Let's get in there, get in their ears, get in the ears of the general manager, the coach. This is the way this is the way you gotta approach it, right? Get them going. Let's go here. Absolutely. But,
1: uh, treat Thank people, you, Jim. We appreciate
2: hey, it. They they gotta treat the players the right way. They gotta coach them. They gotta they gotta talk to them. They got, you know, what I mean, it's changed. Hockey's not the way it was 30 years ago. Okay, 20 years ago. You gotta communicate with players. And uh, that's that. But yeah, nice talking to you guys. Jesse Anthony my pleasure guys and to all the fans out there appreciate all your support and God bless you all. We'll see you all sometime. Take care.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Jim. You, sir. See you guys. Awesome. So, uh, you still hear me? Oh, I guess you can't hear me. So with that being said, everybody, we're going to cut this off. Uh, thanks again, Jim Watson for, uh, Coming on with us. We've been playing this for a while. He's a very, very busy guy. Um, with that being said, this audio will be up this uh, tomorrow, probably tonight. Um, Anthony, I don't know if you're getting back on here or not, but I'm just going. to. Um, oh, Anthony wants to come on. Okay. Yeah, unmute yourself, brother. Unmute yourself there,
1: dude. You're the one that muted me.
0: Ah, sorry. Um, <laughs> what an interview. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's uh yeah, that's uh that's good stuff there. We got uh Wade Ruska Jr. in here. Awesome interview, guys. Thanks so much, brother. Uh sorry you can't be in here, but we'll start making these things on the weekend so you can get in here. Um thanks everybody for coming out. Uh that was an amazing interview. Uh that definitely was, gonna, uh, definitely yeah. gonna have him back on. Uh oh, now, yeah. that I, now that I know he lives in Delaware County, that's literally a mile away from my house. You know, it's Um, funny. He mentioned it a couple of times, and at the end right there, the communication
1: factor between the coach and players. That's something that we heard a lot when Vigneault was let go. That kind of deteriorated, so that's pretty interesting to me. I mentioned towards the beginning at the interview, Jesse, one thing Cam Atkinson and a lot of players who used to play under Tortorella would say is, he'll tell you black or white, but at least you know where you stand at the end of the day. That's something I can read into.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a lot was spoken, a lot was said. Um, I, I'm hoping a lot of people while we're watching this, um, I know we'll get some good views. We always do get some good views. We had a lot of people watching while we were in here. Um, yeah, Jim Watson, yeah, not every uh, not every day you get a two times uh, Stanley Cup uh winner, you know, and not not every day you talk to someone that when the Flyers actually won, yeah, right. So, uh, with that being said, unless you have something else, man, I mean, I'm 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 I'm, I'm in, I mean, I'll pay a rock. That was great, and uh, you know what my favorite part was—the leadership aspect. That was. I, great. I, I mean, there's going to be a lot of cl- things clipped. Let's hey, just, uh,
1: we didn't even tell him what to say, man. That's this right. is this is somebody that knows hockey.
0: Right, and I, I, I will say this: my my new my new coach is Jim Watson. I got the accountability. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with it, but uh, with that being said, everybody, uh, go like us wherever you're watching us now on Facebook at facebook.com slash Flyers Alley on Twitter at Flyers Alley pod one and Instagram at Flyers Alley. Also go to www.oldcitysports.com old spelled O L D E for our great articles. we got a lot of articles rolling through there. I do have to give a huge shout out to Sterling pig brewery. They, um, they definitely took our live shared it. Uh, I, I sent, uh, Brit Stanish over the, uh, a rep we work with over there. I sent her the flyer that we had. They shared that almost immediately on their Instagram, on their Twitter, and on their Facebook. Uh, we got to give a huge shout out for them. Thank you so much for uh, sponsoring us. You guys being cool. Body Check Wellness also did the same thing. So go to www.sterlingpig.com and check out all their cool stuff. And also go to www.bodycheckwellness.com. Use our promo code OCS and all cast for 25% off. Your <laughs> hemp-derived CBD oils and function in mushroom blends. Anthony, wow! We got we got to do this again next week. I'm that gonna line, I'm gonna I'm gonna line something up. We're gonna do something next week. Let's do it! All right, guys, and uh, that was Flyers Alley. Hey guys, Jesse from Flyer's Alley. I'm here to tell you to head on over to www.bodycheckwellness.com and use our promo code OCS in all caps to save 25% on your hemp-derived CBD oils, functional mushroom blends, and edibles for you and your doggos. We all love Body Check Wellness, and Alley, you guys will too.